All right, here we go. Oh, welcome to the, the actually welcome to the roundtable. I'm I'm actually pleased tonight to have a, a all star lineup for what I think is going to be a very interesting conversation, especially since um, everybody was so gracious to jump on this at the last minute, trying to put this together and and get all the pieces in place so that we could do this show. I am joined by NC Scout, AA. AKA uh, the Biofang Radio Expert, which I bought his book today, which is fantastic. Uh, also joined by uh, Terrence Pop, who does uh, Redonculus on what, 4,000 platforms, 3,000? Uh, I do it on every live stream platform on the internet. And then I upload my videos to virtually other, every other video platform in the entire world. I conduct business uh, like it's a non conventional war situation because that's what's going on except there's no bullets yet it, it's all ideas and pr fighting that, that's why i do what i do and i do comedy to stop uh, a male suicide and uh, it's a travesty we, we're just talking that before we got on the show but uh yeah we, we can go into it more as we go along but yeah thank you for having me on the show man yeah i appreciate you guys jumping on and matt um they can find you on brushbeater.com. You do training, you do a variety of different things. And of course, Trooper's got the Trooper Care Network, which doing he's doing the Lord's work with the homeless. I so just take all dates on motherfuckers. That's that's all I do. That's <laughs> it's all in the comments. So you can see the in the show description, you can see how to find these guys. And as soon as Matt we'll add them to the talk, but let's so the the conversation developed there's matt impeccable timing matt impeccable timing what can i say um i didn't know that we were doing all, uh, video so i was in another room and i had to boot this other computer up no worries don't worries I, it's your choice whether it's video or not this is i'm mainly concerned with the discussion tonight sure, we're going to sure. talk about we're going to talk about post-event gear because i think the experts are actually uh, are on and this conversation's developed over several weeks. And what, what I really want to talk through is what gear would you have if there's a major event and you have to quote unquote bug I, out? I know, I know in. there's, I know there's one expert on. <laughs> That's the guy in the top middle, the other Matt. Yeah, yeah I was just gonna say. <laughs> anybody that has, no, anybody has a Balfang radio that doesn't have his book. If Thank you, you have the Balfang radio, you don't have his book. I bought the book today. Well, yeah. I, I want to say it, it's not exclusive to the Balfang. The, the, the first that's chapter. Starting yeah. Starting the, the, that, that's kind of a, the, I think, confusing. If, if I had just called it, you know, Matt's Guide to Communications, it probably would have sold like 10 copies. Yeah. But um, what what I did is speak to that before we, we jump into things, if I may. Uh, to kind of give people a, a task and purpose behind the book, um, I took the communications portion of a couple of courses that I went through um, when when I was learning to do what I did. One of the qualifications courses, you got to know a little bit about communications to to be in a, a long range surveillance company, and um, taking that block of instruction and applying it. If you want to come yeah. home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you, you know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and I took that block of instruction and applied it to civilian equipment and here you go. 
you know, like, the, all right, so where does all of this fit into the mix? And how, how do you create a communications plan known as an SOI? How do you, um, how, how do you do all these things in an austere environment? Um, because it, it, you know, that's, that's literally what a lot of people are talking about. And even if it's not an austere environment, let's say, you know, you're just trying to create ad hoc communications or, you know, figure out how to do this stuff off grid. That book is going to be a big leg up uh, in, in that process. I'm writing uh, a couple more books right now that, that are uh, applied to HF. And then there's one uh, which HF is, is regional and global communications um, good example of that, by the way, is, is, uh, in Mr. Bracken's book, uh, the, uh, Red Cliffs of Zerhan, uh, on the sailboat. He's, he's got a very, uh, good example of how do you use HF for burst communications, uh, how, how that got, uh, transmitted from one place to another for the team that was on the boat. Not to give too much away of, uh, about the plot. But uh, it is one of my favorite, more recent works yeah, of in fiction. The, in the new book, in the new book, the the uh, single sideband HF doesn't work as a blown capacitor, so they're oh they're, they're blown. Oh. But it's a few oh. years later. But anybody oh. anybody that has a, a a radio, Falfang or other radio, and who has the book, I'm just telling you, there is nothing like seeing this guy pull out the jungle antenna and explain everything. He's carrying it all on his hip. I mean, it's like in the in the go bag on the on the tactical mm -hmm. gear. He's yanking out the the jungle stuff and hooking it up. So I mean, and explaining why you're going to do this and not that directional, short yep. range, long range. I mean, you can't. You just you just can't. Uh, yeah, the book is great, but you can't underestimate what Matt does in person. Thank so you. I want to brag those uh, those boxes behind there. This row of boxes it has a twenty and a forty meter dipole and FTA ninety seven, a couple of SDRs. There you go. That. So I was a, a disaster communicator, disaster first responder with the Red Cross for fifteen years, and I'm also an amateur radio operator. So we've done a couple of videos on that. We're trying to get Steve into SDR, and I'm really looking forward to to your whole content, Matt. And then also what Thank I've been you. telling people, I'm like, if you haven't got your amateur radio license by now, you're not. So just don't worry about it. If people want GMRS and all this bullshit. Get some FRS radios to communicate with your neighbors. Find a ham, and then those guys will know how to use the shit to communicate with other hams. So that and that's kind of the level that we're, you know, that we're working with is, you know, what can I do now? I see a lot of people like at the Arizona audit, there was, you know, the, the guys were out there and they got their bullfang radios and stuff. And I'm like, let me see that. And it's on 154 megahertz. It's one of our federal channels here in Arizona. I'm like, dude, don't use shit. If you don't know what you're, that you, Oh, it won't matter in a war, man. You know, fuck, yes, like, it, it does. Oh. Oh, yeah. yes, it absolutely does. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to just so drinking. Scott. We'll do Matt. We'll do a separate sto show with just you and troop to talk radios. For the purpose of the rest of the show, I'm Bracken. He's Matt. <laughs> call me brush beater it's nc and mb that we'll do it that way. balding redneck you call yeah. me that too so let's let's so that that's a good segue into this right so I, I think the thing that we deal with the most and i'm sure all of us have heard this is i hear on a regular basis i don't know about you i'm top i know you hear this because of you because of your show 
but I I have people regularly saying that I'm going to kick doors. No, you're you're not going to kick doors. And then I also get the the this typical what's the the shit that I need to buy from the shit fairy, so that I can sit it out at home with my dehydrated Bitcoin and my Netflix and all the other shit. And what we're trying to and tell people this there's, there's equipment you should have there's equipment that's nice to have and there's equipment that you can't live without and when we separate them into those buckets the conversation becomes very very granular on those topics right but tonight i want to talk through specifically because matt you matt bracket you teed this up earlier in the week with that email about body armor which this is a perfect time to talk about it right because you and i operate in the same spectrum I, I don't, I have body armor, you know, I've got a, I've got a vest or, or sorry, I've got a plate carrier. I've got the, all this, the, the uh, Haley strategic cool guy shit, but I don't see myself ever putting the damn thing on because normally I'd, I'd like to be outside of the conflict zone and not in the conflict zone. And if I'm donning that thing to go into the conflict zone, it means there's going to be a force around me and we're expecting some kind of conflict in that area. I don't plan on putting my vest on and walking down the street and scaring the hell out of all my neighbors because that's just that's just not the way it's going to be done. And I think we can all agree to that. But the way I want to approach this conversation is from the perspective of this is what I'm going to do. And then the audience can decide what their best course of action is for their local area because every area, every climate's different. And there's a lot of different variables that we can cover. There's no this is absolute but this is what I'm going to do. And I yeah, think that's a good place to start. And, and even, even in the same area, every situation is different. I'm not going to like walk down the street to visit a neighbor wearing a, you know, wearing a plate carrier. But if I'm driving to pick somebody up in like a shitty part of town, I might <laughs> because yeah. you take rounds into the vehicle. I mean, it's not like you're doing the ninja thing through a swamp. You're, you're, um, you know, you're in in a uh, in a vehicle in a bad area of town. Why not? Yeah. So yeah, if you're going into contact and you know people are going to be shooting at you, have your shit on. If you're but but, but the, blend, the, the 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 Fed Stasi is not going to like give you a five minute warning before they blast down your door. <laughs> no. That, I tell people that uh, the same thing. If we're kicking back even right now and we get swatted or whatever it is when they call nine one one. I mean, you're hanging out. I'm having scotch. You know, your wife's watching TV. Twelve guys are going to come to your house. They're going to throw flashbangs through each window. They're going to kick the door in before you even know what's going on. You're yeah. already you're going to MP5. Break and break and break, break and break. Yeah. So, um, the it's kind of an interesting conversation. We're coming up on uh, the anniversary of Waco and and all that. Um, <clears throat> so the, the swatted thing is reactionary, right? Local, local PDs operate on a reactionary model. Um, that's, that's why we haven't seen yet. We haven't seen like a lot of the politicians that have been swatted repeatedly. This is why we haven't, we haven't really seen it end in a, a tragic way yet. Yet. Let me, let me caveat that. Uh, fortunately we haven't. Um, when you're approached under a state level or federal level um, interdiction team, which is what that is, 
there's there's a, a much longer uh, patterns of life that goes into that. You're under observation. You're under the microscope for a while, yeah. right? And if you don't understand what patterns of life is, th this is a surveillance technique where uh, whoever it is that you are the target, you're the person of interest, and they're mapping out every aspect of your life. Uh, when you wake up, when you go to sleep, who you talk to, all your contacts, right? We're, you know, we're doing that. Um once you're doing that, you're, you're building a composite for exploitation and that exploitation is closing with the target, right? And you are the target. So when, when you understand that, um, they, they're not going to approach you when you're, you're, you're most offended. They're going to approach a target when it's most vulnerable. And usually that's for, for somebody that's serious, that, that's going to be when they're on the move. Um, the example of Lavoie Finicum comes to mind here. I think that that's one that probably a lot of people are familiar with in, in the audience and who are going to listen to this. Uh, Lavoie Finicum <clears throat> was uh, one of the, the uh, most notable people in the Maller Wildlife Refuge protest, mm -hmm. along with Ammon Bundy. And, uh, the, the, you know, it, it's very interesting because they, they had a, a pretty serious stronghold and, you know, the, the feds and everybody that responded to that knew that, that if they went in there, how that was going to end. They had to target him while he was on the move, which is what they did. They waited until he left. Uh, there's a lot of questions about that whole situation that led up to that, but they knew that, right? It was patterns of life. In Afghanistan, in Iraq, when, when we were targeting um, you know, a person of interest for whatever reason. And there were a lot of reasons. It could have been somebody who was uh, in Afghanistan. They were running safe houses for the Taliban. Could have been Taliban HVIs, Haqqani network guys. Um, or it could have just been, you know, hey, we want to surveil this dude and do patterns of life on him because we think he's actually friendly and we want to make sure of that. Uh, you know, before we, we got guys rolling in because this is a, a uh, Taliban held area. They're favorable to the Taliban. Uh, so anyhow, patterns of life is very, very important. I go into this in depth in uh, the Gorilla's Guide to Signals Intelligence, understanding patterns of life in, in the first and second chapter, because this is the bread and butter of how intelligence collection and refinement is actually done. Um, for anybody that, that wonders about like Intel and the Intel community, how it all works, like it, it all revolves around patterns of life for exploitation. So what does this have to do with, um, you know, what gear you're wearing when and like the whole gray man conversation and all of that folks look, look like everybody else, you know, look around, look at what the baseline is. You know, I live in a, a very rural agricultural based area and I know everybody in the local infrastructure, then they all know me, which is actually more important, right? That they all know you, you're a known quantity. I'm not rolling around with a bunch of ta uh, tactical gear on looking like, you know, like I did when I was in Samara in Iraq. I ain't rolling around like that. Um, I'm wearing literally what I'm wearing right now, a pair of dirty jeans, a worn out t-shirt, flannel, you know, like I, I am operating in, in my particular area and I blend in. Why do you want to do this? You're mitigating what's known as PID or positive identification. All right. 
well, you know, if if you're wearing, for example, and, and this is all assuming that you're in an asymmetric warfare environment, right? Not like Ukraine, where Ukraine is a conventional war. A lot of people that I'm seeing online are really confused by that. Ukraine is a conventional war, right? There's declared sides and, and they're fighting for control of the country. Right for control of territory, asymmetric warfare, guerrilla warfare is totally different, completely different. You know, and and it is the a war between a governmental structure and the populace itself. You, you have to understand that th those are your your pitched battles there, right? And and it's a struggle for a legitimacy of of a governmental infrastructure. So, in saying that, you, know, you look as as Blend it in with the populace as possible until you're actually conducting direct action, you know, until your guerrilla force assembles to go do the things that they're going to go do the, the raid or the assault on whatever the objective is, the ambush, you know, whatever. And that mission calls in, in into question the gear that you're going to be wearing. But I, otherwise, I but I know, think there's you, three kinds of scenarios that you're I'm glad. Right. You, first, I'm glad you talked through the difference between because Most people won't. Most non-military types won't even know what that means, right? Or the right. forded, the FIBA, the forded, the battle area. They won't know what that is. Or um, anyway, the the point is, you're going to have you're going to have folks that are um, assembled, working together in groups, whether it's a small group, large group, that are conducting operations. You're going to have folks that are just trying to stay out of the conflict zone, then you're going to have folks that are passing through conflict zones, uh, either in route to somewhere else or in route to meet up with a group. Uh, you're going to see a variety of these things. And I think it's all going to happen all around the same time. And uh, I think you're, but keep going with what you, with your thought, because yeah, and, I know where you're going with it. But over the, and over the, over the time, you know, the conflict will also evolve. So there are people who will, be just trying to remain neutral during, you know, stage one of a, of a, of a conflict like this. Um, but they get drawn into it. So you may start out as a complete neutral. I'm just, you know, doctor, or just a, you know, I'm just an electrician. I, I don't want anything to do with anything, but your brother gets blown up. And the next thing, you know, you're, you're being approached. So you have to, you can't just say, these are the players and we're, we're like drawing the rules of monopoly or risk right, and it's yeah. for the rest of the game. You also have to keep evolving. You also have to understand that men like us, it it's almost impossible for us to remain neutral. <laughs> because you know, right. if we if we say, hey, we're not involved and we're in an area and some shit happens, they're gonna come kick your door and wipe you no off. No matter what. No matter what. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, you have yeah. to run if Good you want to get out of you know, remain neutral, you need to get out of the way. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. No, no. I'm, what I mean is, a guy who truly is neutral, and you're like putting into the category, oh. this guy's safe. He's a non-combatant. Yeah, Next ever, year, he might be a combatant. You ever hear of uh, Hanson's War? It's a book that was put out. Uh, that's exactly who I was thinking of. Yeah, that motherfucker didn't want any problems. They came. They killed his two sons, cut their heads off, and then put them on posts on his uh, entryway into his. Uh, the original House. sniper. The yeah, original sniper. He's in the American only, Civil War. Yeah, American Civil War. He actually got a boat to surrender by himself. Yep. So, I mean, when they say there's nobody more dangerous than the man who wanted to be left alone, 
He is the shining example. And that, and that guy wow. Hansen was so was so influential, so to speak, because he was very technically savvy and he had a custom rifle built. This is yes, pre-optics. I mean, there were some optics, but he basically had a a sharpshooter rifle with sharpshooter sights made that could that could you know hit at four or five hundred yards reliably in an era when people thought they were safe past 300. And my what I'm leading to now is there's never been a war in history where millions of people had thousand-yard rifles. It's just never happened. Well, I mean, just anybody might. can go out it's and, gonna and, happen and now. one night take one shot. Yeah, yeah. it's going to happen now. I, so, um, there's <sighs> rented lips. It's been a long day. Um, but it, I think it, there's a there's there's a number of different um, pieces to that too, right? The other side of it is you have a lot of people in this country that are just a lot of guys like us. Let me just qualify that. There's a lot of ex-military, a lot of current military that are quietly organizing in the background, but they're staying out of the social media space. They're staying out of the public space. And they're slowly organizing, slowly um, getting ready for the event. Let's let's just face it. I don't know anybody that doesn't think there's a major Black Swan event on the horizon. And we are at, I would say, we're at the cusp of the event horizon right now. I've said yep. that for several yeah. weeks. We are. And, and I say it's a later I, domino thing, but yeah. I, we can agree to disagree, Trip, because I, I, you and I have had this conversation a lot of times. And, and I think that... The, my point of saying that is that there's going to be there's going to be folks like us that are already in the fight, whether we like it or not. We're, we're we're in the fight, and we chose to be here because we saw you know a number of different things that uh, either was a catalyst for us or we were thrust into it. Whatever the case may be, there this is a very small group. There's a much larger group that is waiting for the spark, whatever that spark is. So yeah, and to be honest, I'm here because I took an oath many times over 33 years, and there was no expiration date on that oath. Yeah, the, the man Donald. who the man who founded Oath Keepers is in solitary for the rest of his life. Stuart Rhodes. Hmm. Well, that sucks. And what? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, American Gulag. Hmm. Yeah, he, wasn't even in, in, he wasn't even in Washington. For now. Yeah, I agree. This and, and where I was going with that is, that's why I still have hope in the American people. Even though, even though there's a lot of people that say it's game over, I don't believe that. I think there's a lot no. of people who are just waiting. The fight hadn't that's even what, started. Well, that's right. I, I've I've done videos on scenarios uh, for Civil War type events, like I used to call them zombie apocalypse events, and they're very very uh, plausible. And uh, we saw a lot of the uh, basic structure of these micro attacks during the BLM and the Antifa riots because they're, they're, that was basically a dry run for their logistics, their organization, their leadership, their funding, sure. all of that. And they, they were able to hide that rehearsal behind peaceful, mostly peaceful protests kind of uh, propaganda that comes from the mainstream media. I'm a, I mean, I'm an operator. I look at it. I'm like, this is a fucking rehearsal. The actual people who are going to do the violence in the near future are coming across the border right now. Yep. And everything else is and, already in place. And some, and, and many are here. 
we we saw and and um uh brush beater i on your podcast you were talking about this guy bushnell with the top secret clearance yep. willing to douse himself in gasoline and set yep. himself on fire that's who i was Air about Force to bring uniform. up that that level of dedication is like isis you know uh get the 72 virgin level he's going for paradise on reddit he's going to be a paradise reddit martyr right he's going for post uh death uh, life like a martyr they put the pictures on the side and of the buildings and roads it's, it's right? a religion and he's right getting now. it that that's the thing and, and there's and, so but, many but next, people but that don't understand but the next time there's real quick there's the next time there's an attack on a Kavanaugh house the, the the guy flew from California with a Glock and he just didn't execute right yes the next time there's a there's yes. an attack on a Supreme Court it could be six fucking ninjas right with flashbangs and they could take him out alive or dead. It's it's it, not that's a the matter level of dedication. All the BLM stuff was just dress rehearsal. Yeah, I and mean, I, most of them were paid actors. This guy was a this guy was a, and that's the that's the crew that's in D.C. now. They're all believers. These people are hardcore communists. And they're in the military, and they're in the FBI. The military, the brass. Notice how we haven't in top. You could you, both you guys could talk to this. Where are all the general officers? Yeah, I haven't it, seen one except for uh, Paul Vallelee and right. uh, McInerney uh, and and Mike Flynn. Those are the only three that have actually been out in the public space saying anything, which right. leads for, me to believe that either they're bought off or they're scared. Or all right, hey, hang on, hang on. You're which you're putting way too much faith in the officer corps. I know you're a lieutenant colonel. I, got I knew it. it was coming. I knew I it was coming. <laughs> I understand. But you and I both know how the office corps works. You become an officer to be a leader. You will lead in the beginning of your career. You will spend your career, a majority of it, being a staff weenie. Maybe you'll get a battalion or, or, or something higher down the road. But most of the time, that doesn't happen. They literally get a company command, maybe a platoon. And they run, they work staff the rest of their life. Uh, I'm sorry. They, should, they took I, an oath too, right? I know. I know. I Listen, I understand oath. you're an officer and I know I'm, I'm, I'm stepping on some toes they, here. When, when, and when I they, got when they've got, seven, Go when they've got 17 years in and kids in college, they will pour the gasoline on you to get their pension. Fuck. Yeah, they will. Yeah. I and think so when this those, is where the, this is the, go ahead, Dave. Go, I was just going to say, I well, happy to be on board. It's, it's I was going to say, it's a room at the table here tonight. It's pretty busy. Um, uh, the people I've known that went to finishing school as generals, you know, I think they get have inculcated in them that they're in an elite rank. All eyes are always on them. And, you know, uh, they carry the weight of the Army's uh, reputation on their shoulders. And so most of them, no, I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm simply saying, you know, there are certain things that they get pounded into them at, at so-called finishing school. And I think most of them take a fairly conservative bent in that regard. Hey, hey, McGregor, I was listening to McGregor uh, talking to uh, Daniel Davies today. I think it's his name. And the two guys from my era, you know, boomers. I got out as a, as a uh, 03 because I wasn't going to be a staff weenie, spend the rest of my career wearing khakis at the Pentagon, banging briefcases together. Anyway, 
he, he, he compared the invasion today to what happened in the early 20th century when Pancho Villa came across the border, I think what Douglas, Texas, I forget the name of the, was it New Mexico? Anyway, made an incursion, robbed some banks, shot up some people. 11 Americans were, were, um, were killed. Something like a, a low, low teens of Americans were killed. Our president sent 100,000 National Guard to the border and sent 25,000 people under Pershing on a punitive mission into Mexico saying, you don't even think about that again for the next couple generations. Meaning we want law and order and the rule of law on our side of the border. You want to do that bandit crap, you're going to do it 100 miles from the border. Now we have the cartels running our border. We have cartels running the human trafficking and child sex smuggling with these fake NGOs. And where are our generals? This is what McGregor is talking about. Where's the David, where's the Colonel David Hackworth, right? His great book about face, not, you know, here to carry his water man has a great, has a great book, but he, as a Colonel, he was a battlefield commission, like enlisted to uh, enlisted to second Lieutenant in Korea like the youngest colonel active duty in Vietnam, he wrote like he wrote the book on irregular warfare that the that sort of like Petraeus the, and McChrystal, they'll take the, the generals will take the credit for the book. He went on meet the press in uniform and and burned himself down for his career. He went to Australia, threw his medals away or gave them away. I, you know I, what I mean, Where, where's the David Hackworth today? It's yeah. great that McGregor, retired guys, Daniel Davies will go on one of the podcasts. Where's the active duty guy that'll stand up and say, I don't care. I'm not doing it. Where are they? I know. And FBI I, too. Shellen. FBI too. That was Shellen. Shellen's the only one on active duty that that's right. pushed for account- accountability. And they that's right. And they tried to prosecute him and pushed him out. Yeah. And you know that uh, he's the yeah, only he got one. You hauled. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I spoke with Hackworth before he died years and years ago, like two or three times. That dude was totally committed. He was uh, always on the side of the of Joe. He did not yes. want to see the regular guy get fucked over. And uh, I got involved and, and, in it in a bunch and, of bullshit back in the day with my chain of command, and I had to jump outside, write a letter directly to the SecDef. And I had a former regimental guy I served with put it on his desk. It caused all kinds of problems. And Hackworth actually contacted me. We talked about the situation. And compared it to a lot of the same shit that was happening to him while he was in Vietnam. Yeah, I, I want to interject something that's related to Hackworth and related to one of the members on the panel right here tonight. Uh, this is this is very weird. And like, if you're ever at the VFW or in the American Legion, you're trying to explain what you did in the military, and people are going to roll their eyes and say, "But did you have a green beret? Were you a SEAL?" This is one of the things that got Hackworth wrapped around the axle later when people trying to discredit him. Oh, you had your own ranger school in Vietnam. Is that right? Where those those people, were they tabbed rangers? I mean, what was what was the deal with that? There weren't enough special operators in Vietnam. There just weren't in the table of organization enough Green Berets, et cetera. And at the division level, divisions set up their own sniper schools. They'd get a qualified sniper. They'd get a qual- they'd get some Green Berets. They'd set up their own in-house school. They'd make their own like tiger patch or whatever, right? And that's what Hackworth was doing to motivate people. He was doing his own in-house training. So there are people that are in extremely elite units, doing extremely unbelievable elite shit. And 
when it all winds down, it's like, poof, it's gone like a bubble. And that's, I'm, I'm referring to um, brush beater. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's what they did with the, the long range surveillance companies. They all went away. You know, that, that went away. Uh, I think yeah. the writing was definitely at the VFW. Well, <laughs> it, yeah. It, now, what I'll say, though, about that is, is that uh, in 2012, 2013, I was out in El Paso, Texas and um, met Ike Camacho out there. And uh, anybody that, that knows who Ike Camacho is, you know, he, he was with uh, Colonel Rowe, Captain Rowe <clears throat> at the time. But uh, when he was rolled up early on in Vietnam, you know, the Sears School is named after him. But uh, Ike Camacho was, was there with him. And, uh, you know, meeting him at, at Roy P. Benavidez Hall uh, of, of all places and having a beer with him. And he, he was more interested in hearing about what we were doing in Afghanistan, like, like TTPs and just – you know, and, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I mean, this, this guy's an absolute legend. And, you know, it was it, it was it, it was just a really big honor to me um, personally. And he's just so fascinated about what we were doing. And, and that was all he really wanted to hear about. You know, and I'm like, think about it from his well, perspective. He's looking to see if anything's evolved since he did it. Right. Because he did the same thing. Well, yeah. 100%. Vietnam, right. And yeah. it, you know, same thing. Same thing with Colonel Boyd and and then the, the host of others, right? They they come in. They want to know if anything's evolved since their doctrine came out, and what yeah. we're, you know how we're handling things now. When and, and, and those guys wrote the they wrote the, there there was no script for what they were doing. They they wrote the no. doctrine. Yeah, you know, and and um, it, it just it's a really humbling experience because it's like this is somebody that you hear about. You're going through the schools and you're like, man, this dude's a legend. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're yeah. sitting there and he's more interested in what you're doing. And yeah. and it's just one of those experiences. You're like, man, he, that, and that's Matt, really, find, yeah. Find the guys that are, to your point, find the guys that are interested in the grunts and the Joes, the snuffies. Yeah. Find yeah. A hundred percent. To your point, Matt, the reason why that always happens when you have the whole tab versus untab conversation and top, you can jump in on this one. Cause I know you got an opinion on it. That is every time that happens, some fucking ring tapping West Point that's usually a one star is the one that comes in and fucks them because the sapper tab that came and then the, the combat action tab, those both came out of the fact that there was no real combat differentiation for somebody that was doing combat ops outside of the infantry the combat infantry badge and and top you can you can go down a rabbit hole on that that's where a lot of that came from but it's when usually that gets screwed up is when it's usually a, a lieutenant colonel or a colonel at the pentagon that's a west point grad that fucks that up i know because i worked with a bunch of them and every single time i had that conversation they say stupid things like inform you know the the famous one was information dominance i'm like you're a fucking moron that's never going to happen for every hole we plug in the internet they're going to find 10 others to go around your information dominance you fucking nitwit so that that's how that game's always played and it, unfortunately we go from war to war to war we never learn the lesson that number one, we need to we need to make some of our changes doctrine, and others need to be training protocols for everyone. We just don't do that well. Well, it so with with the worst companies, the reason that they got rid of us 
uh, was the big army said that we were too expensive because I mean, when, when we deployed, we were tasked out with, with, uh, special operations. Core like it, it was, yeah, we, so like in Afghanistan, we were, we were part of uh, special operations task force South and, you know, it was, it was a proper use of our, uh, skill set and our qualifications. Cause we're, you know, uh, every long range surveillance company, um, has you know you have a, a mountain detachment you have a scuba detachment you have a halo detachment right and uh big army said that you know we're too expensive to keep around they um and and you know part of it was internecine conflict between the cavalry guys and the infantry guys and it was it, it, so they I mean, and and it always happens. Uh, Matt, you you brought up sniper school, for example. Um, the evolution of the Army sniping program has been very interesting over the years. The Marine Corps, interestingly enough, the Marine Corps is repeating the mistake right now that the Army made. Yep. The Army made it, it when in post Vietnam. They said, "Well, the the uh, the sniper program doesn't that doesn't mesh with the division." concept of of how we're going to fight wars in the folded gap and you know all the co the cold war model of the 1980s right the sniper school doesn't fit with that uh, so they they downsized a lot of that took a lot of it away until it was brought back in 1988 well the marine corps is literally doing that right now they, they're repeating that mistake they said well the scout sniper concept doesn't mesh with uh, our force projection capability and, and what we, we plan on and like our plans of Pacific. Like, do you people not know anything about your history? I mean, the scout sniper program in the Marine Corps literally came out of Pacific combat. Yes, it, like, it, it was a necessity. You know, Lee Marvin, perfect example. Lee Marvin, famous act, one of my favorite actors of all time. And not because he's yeah. a great actor, because he was a legitimate perfect. badass. He's legit. Yeah, he, I mean, he was, he was a scout sniper. And so um, he, the Army hasn't really repeated that mistake so far. But, it, you know, I, I don't want to give the Army too much credit because they're going to fuck it up. Uh, <laughs> they will. They will. They can. And they will, believe me. But um, it, it, it's just it, it's kind of disappointing to see the Marine Corps who did not uh, did not make that mistake in the post Vietnam era of the drawdown. Um, and, and now they are, and now it's they are. very unfortunate. And they, that, that one's going to bite them in the ass. The whole idea of, um, getting rid of armor units in the Marine Corps, they're already learning. That was a mistake. Um, and that's, I think that's part of what's driving, uh, the 82nd with the Booker tank, the, the light tank, the air droppable tank, which I'm still interested to see how this is going to work. Um, they tried that with the Sheridans, remember? They didn't work that <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah, it didn't work that well. I, uh, well, I was out in Missouri. They out of airplanes. Yeah, that's the, pr man, the problem. The problem that they found uh, with the, yeah. the Sheridan, the whole reason they sent the Sheridans down to Panama was because they found the tow missiles and dragons, which were very long in the tooth mm -hmm. at that point, wouldn't arm themselves in the distance you were engaging inside of uh, you know city limits Panama, right? So right. they they wanted to develop a fire support system that uh, could uh, could issue direct fire, and Bradleys were inadequate to the task because again you're looking at a tow missile system, 
and right. not enough kick ass with with the Bushmaster. So, so but, they're trying yeah. to plug that gap. Well, if I believe right. the Sheridans used to have the Shillelagh missile, not the tow missile. Yeah, no, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I said the Bradleys had the tow missile. Sheridan, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. One fifty-two yeah. millimeter Shillelagh. Yeah, I, I went yep. full dyslexia cyst on you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had a uh, <laughs> when, I, when I was out in Missouri last. I had a a former uh, SF jump master in class who had experience JMPIing a Sheridan and was and we we had a fun conversation about this new light tank and he's like I I, I don't know like th this is going to be really entertaining to watch you're talking about the Booker the new light tank <laughs> called the Booker yes yeah. yes yeah it's not <laughs> Sheridan <laughs> it's the Booker yeah. no I no no he he had experience with with a former light tank well good luck uh, with that uh, yeah he he's been retired that's another, that's another cycle that's another cycle like snipers in snipers out well, yeah, like tanks that fit in an airplane. Yeah, it's yeah. like we're going to have one rifle. It's going to do everything. So we're going to have an M14. Nope, we're going to do an AR-15. Nope, we're going to do a 6.5. Why don't you just have the right weapons and the right, you know, like like combined arms training, right? Just have the mm -hmm. right shit in the right composition for the right mission. Not, you know, this is the one thing hey, that if if you guys if you guys can can indulge me for just just a moment, um. There's an author named Jean um, Lartigai, maybe Jean, depending on how you would spell it, a French, a French soldier, journalist, author. He wrote a book called The Centurions about the experience of the uh, uh, French paras in, in Algeria fighting communist guerrillas, Muslim communist guerrillas. But he, this is his famous quote. I'd like to have two armies, one for display with lovely tanks, guns, little soldiers, staffs, and doddering generals dear little regimental officers who are deeply concerned with their general's bowel movements and their colonel's piles, an army that would be shown for a modest fee on every fairground in the country. The other would be the real one, composed entirely of young enthusiasts in camouflaged uniforms who would not be put on display, but from whom impossible efforts would be demanded and to whom all sorts of tricks would be taught. That's the army in which I would like to fight. Now we've got an army where we have people like admiral levine i mean we have they're not they're not only on display in fancy uniforms they're they're waving the the the, the trans pride flag you mean, I mean the we've gone so far beyond queer? that yeah you mean the loose gay but twerking queer community in america <laughs> or 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 you pick a communist from antifa from the yeah. queer the queer communist brigade who gets uh top secret clearance and then burns himself in front of an embassy yeah, what, I I saw that video actually. It's very disturbing. What's disturbing about it is that this guy was Antiva and a communist, openly a communist, and he had a security clearance. Yep, Brennan. Brennan. Yes, Brennan admitted on his through an entire fucking background check, and no one caught the fact that he was a card carrying communist. But John no, Brennan, the CIA director, John Brennan. Process. The CIA director, John Brennan, on his intake polygraph, he admitted this like four or five years ago when he was trying to recruit blacks into the CIA. Like, hey, don't worry if you smoke dope. Don't worry if you had a felony. We'll take care of that. And he admitted in front of you know an audience, on my intake poly, they asked me if I'd ever belonged to the Communist Party. And he had. 
And he thought, shit, you know, if I lie, they're probably going to detect it. Well, I'll just admit it and see what happens. So he said, yeah, I was a com in the Communist Party. And they said, fine, no problem. This is like in the 1970 wow. era. So you wow. can imagine 50 years later who's who they're letting in. Wow. I mean, I've been through my I've been through many lifestyle CI polys where I've had my rights read to me as soon as right in the middle of the test. So I know exactly how that game's played. <laughs> But suffice it to say that that you know it, this guy was a believer, and that's we're I think we're going to see more of that. I mean, th I think you said it the best, uh, Rush. I think you were you were talking about this guy was Antifa. He was he was a believer, and he was willing to yep. kill himself over a foreign war versus anything going on here, which is amazing to me that somebody's that ardent of a believer that willing to burn themselves to death over some, you know, foreign war that we're but not but even guy, involved But it wasn't guys, a foreign war. Guys that yeah. ardent will, will put a backpack on a bus, a TATP backpack on a bus in a heartbeat. Yep. In a heartbeat. So he, here's the thing is that his act, right, what he did, he is, is the embodiment of the he, he becomes the standard bearer for his cause doesn't matter whether it's a, a guy wearing an s vest walking into a crowd this is one of those yep. things that, like the commentariat out there with about the gwat oh we don't understand why they do this now emil durkheim in 1897 understood exactly why they did this this is you know sociologists we all know this um it's because this this is the 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 litmus test by which you gauge dedication to a cause. It's exactly what this is. So with the whole Palestine Israel conflict, the contemporary conflict, a lot of people on the right, and I talked about this on, on Radio Contra yesterday, my, my podcast, that people don't get it, especially on the right. They they all right, so you got opinions on Israel and you got opinions on you know, various things that, all right, whatever, man. Here's the deal. None of that is relevant. Okay. None of that is relevant to the conversation. I even had a guy that, that was on Twitter who was just hounding me like, oh, yeah, but 22 a day. And blah, 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 blah. Like, all right, first of all, this, this guy in question, he might've wore a uniform. He ain't a veteran because he never went anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I, that, that, that's the elephant in the room. He, you know, and, and people can think what they want about that. Uh, and, and I don't care. I genuinely don't care. Um, period. How but he got in? How he got in is an issue. He, the thing is, is that when you look at leftist politics, people on the right thinking things. Uh, you know, one of our our uh, tragedies is that we're we're largely binary thinkers in this or that. There, there's actually a spectrum that that things exist, and on the left, right wing reactionaries in the United States and, and by and large, the rest of the world don't really understand Marxist politics and the, the religion of Marx. Uh, but having a, a, a strong peak behind that, that curtain, here's the thing. They, they look at Palestine, the, the Palestinian Israel conflict as a microcosm of the West versus everybody else in the world it, it is very much israel to them is the manifestation of a u.s-led world 
a UN-led world post-1947, and that's why they call them the colonizers. It doesn't matter what you think about them. Okay, this is to everybody out there, people commenting in the comments section and all that stuff. It doesn't matter what you think about them individually. It doesn't matter what argument you make, you know, or you you like whatever, or I don't like them, and the banking sector. Like, look, none of that stuff matters, okay, to the militant left out there. And they don't look at it like, you know, the Jews or, or whatever it is. They don't look at it that way. They look at it like... The Palestinians are the manifestation of national liberation and that that is the, the, the symbol of the international left, the communist international, and either you will stand with them and rise in their, their current intifada, right? Yeah, or and, you won't. And, where, and where that, this- that's it. And where this really comes home, you can see this in Bushnell's emails, or excuse me, his um, his uh, tweets and other social media. Yep. His paradigm is settler versus, uh, like the natives, colonizer, colonizers, and and you know the settlers are the evil ones. So whites in in North America, uh, are just inherently evil. Australia evil. Period. Um, this is why the Houthis are so popular in the in the the BRICS world right now. Because they're they're defying you know the the order, but Correct. but but this guy that burned himself to death, he not only was you know pro Palestinian anti Israel and remember every everybody watching their media, every thousand pound bomb that's dropped says made in USA General Electric on it, mm-hmm. you know made in uh, wherever. But to these guys like the guy that set himself on fire, they hate. Any white person that isn't wearing the uh, sackcloth and ashes, you know, the, in Australia, when you get on a bus, it says, you know, welcome to our bus. We must repent for being evil colonizers. You know, we're now driving through a, a this city was once inhabited by this tribe. I mean, it's really in, it's much deeper in other countries, but that's well, the, that's the world that they're in, immersed in. It's an influencing operation that's been going on for decades. It's oh, effectively now is what it is, right? Bearing because I, I talked about this on my sit rep the other day. One of the most insidious things about social media and, and this movement and belief system has been encouraged as well as propagated by social media over the last decade. Just like this trans movement, I hear I have these conversations all the time around influencing operations related to this trans movement. And I'm like, this this is not new. If you go back 10 years, they started with bisexual and they propagated that in social media and it became a battle cry for 12 to 17 year olds. I'm bisexual. And then it was I'm gay. And then it was now I'm trans. This is not an influencing operation. But it's but but now it's it's on it's on steroids because of social media using artificial intelligence, facial recognition. Um, TikTok, TikTok, when you're doing interactive TikTok, the camera's looking at you. And we know that in China, they can just pick, you know, one guy out of a million and know exactly who he is. They can tell by the gait of a person walking. The computer will not only like look at the face. How is he walking? He's walking like somebody who's hiding something. I mean, it's very, very uh, deep and subtle. So TikTok sends you the next video based on how your face is reacting are your eyes, you know, this means, yes, give me more of that. This means give me more of that. 
and it's a, it's a day stabilization off operation that's on a full court press Absolutely. in uh, Breitbart this morning. They're they're sending um, uh, Glock switches like you know you can just say give me cupcakes and you get like a hundred Glock switches right because you're just getting them sent right from China. We don't have a, a customs anymore, so you can you can convert you know Glocks, get your thirty round magazines, and you got a world's most inaccurate submachine gun. They're doing it to destabilize us. TikTok in China is, I want to be a scientist. Yeah. I want to be an it's astronaut. I want to invent something. TikTok in America is, I want to twerk. I want to be gay. I want to, you know, uh, tear things down. Or I want to be Muslim. Or you I'm going to eat so, a fucking Tide Pod. But they see, the but they pod. see, but more than just the Tide Pod, it's like steering you towards Islam. They hate Islam in China. But for us, they recognize it as an effective destabilization weapon. Yes, so you're talking, you're talking about the bi-squared community, the bisexuals and the bipolar sons of bitches floating around out there? Jeez. Well, what I'm talking about is they used influencing operations and started almost a decade ago to influence mm -hmm. the population now to accept the trans movement. And they did Actually, it yeah, you're correct. In some regards, I have to disagree. Uh, the trans and the whole gay thing is just another fissure to use to divide the population. They're doing they're it on true. race. It's another bucket. They're, yeah. they're doing it on the sexual craziness. I mean, we have a whole generation of young guys or young people out there who literally leave their front door, don't pay attention to shit, and then think that, yes, it's totally possible for a man to change into a woman if he believes hard enough. Like, what the fuck are you thinking? Holy shit! That's it's. This is going to fall down. This is going to come down. It's oh, not yeah. sustainable. And it's yeah. going to be a bloodbath when it happens. And I go off historical examples, like when the French Revolution kicked off. There was, you know, it didn't really get bad until people couldn't, you know, eat or heat or feet or work, eat or take care of their family, and then it went off the chain. But it's going to be way worse here. Oh yes, when, it's going to be two, way two examples. Worse. French Revolution is one. And there's dozens of examples, but two that are easy to understand. The other is Cromwell's invasion of, of um, Ireland. They didn't have to set up concentration camps. They didn't have to, you know, uh, uh, do like Turks and march people into the desert. All they had to do is disrupt the planning cycle for two or three years, drive people away from their farms so they're kind of hiding in cold, damp, you know, environment. And a third of Irish are dead in like in 10 years. And that was when you grew your own food. This is yeah. when, like, the barley is over there. I'm only hiding in the woods a mile away. Yeah, My yeah. barley's right there, but nobody's tending to it. Our food comes from a 1,000 miles away. When those trucks stop rolling, it's going to be looted supermarkets, no more food trucks, and cannibalism in a week. And it, it, let's add to that, Matt. A bulk of the population doesn't know how to do the square root of shit. <laughs> can't even read... They can't even read an analog clock for Christ's sake. Yeah, yeah. David That's not Codria, go well. David Codria calls them MREs, morons ready to eat. Well, let's let that's a good segue. So we're way off topic. I mean, we're so far off topic. I don't think I could ever bring us back. But uh I, I, I hey uh, Colonel, can I can I break in just for one minute? I just I just spent two seconds on my last official HOA board meeting, and now my <laughs> wife has taken my place. So this is this is influencing operations from within. And I love the story because this is a true story. I wanted to put an RV on my side yard. They wouldn't let me do it. 
I read the CCNRs for Peoria, Arizona. It says you can have an RV behind an attractively screened, uh, it said attractively screened, they meant a six foot gate. So I changed the HOA rules to allow RV gates and then they passed it. I immediately built an RV gate and then I bought an RV and I put it behind the gate and then they cited me for it. And I went, it's in the CCNRs. And they were like, shit. So they brought it to their lawyer and their lawyer went, shit. And I went, my work here is done. So then I, I just, uh, I didn't run again. I resigned, but I still have my wife on, on there. You have to undermine small government from within like the battle of Algiers, right? Guerrilla warfare at its fundamental level. So thank you for letting me share my story. Thank you. It's all good. Well, I think Steve is uh, currently engaged for just a second with some <laughs> logistics resupply or something there we were gonna, you know we were gonna we were gonna talk tonight about um and while we've got while we have brush beater um somewhere in the background we were gonna well, talk I, I, about thermal thermal is upending everything oh, oh well first of all thermal's a bitch uh i tried to hide from thermal when i did uh you know when i was a sniper in second bat uh, good luck it is fucking you're not hiding from thermal it's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to build a suit just to see, just to fuck around and see if it can be done. Well, and you I've have had... to only, you have to only go outside when it's 98.6 degrees. Correct. The, so the technology behind thermal has evolved so much too. I mean, the, the, uh, the past 13s that we used, you know, it took like 12 AA batteries and they were heavy and kind of, you know, still they, they were awesome for they what they were. for four hours. Yeah. All of those yeah. batteries, you got four, four hours. hours. A whole yeah. Four hours. Um, I mean, the, the technology that, that we have nowadays just really blows away. Uh, you know, I, I was blown away when I got my first FLIR on the civilian side uh got a FLIR uh what was it pro pts it was, it was a weapon side i still have it um great great piece of kit this is a 384 resolution i was just blown away by it. i was like man i remember the past 13 and this thing runs off of uh two of the the cr123 batteries the the pec 15 batteries I was like, man, dude, this thing rocks. Battery life was really good. Like, I could record with it. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, then, lo and behold, like, FLIR exits the, the civilian market space for, like, whatever reason. And, um, you know, you've got AGM out there. that It kind of jumped into the space. And I am so blown away by – all right, so, like, the Stinger, right? The Stinger, the, the 640 resolution Stinger. Th this thing – I mean, it literally fits in the palm of your hand. It's smaller than a PBS 14. You can wear it on a bridge mount. So like with the, the uh, old Fleur breach, how you had one PBS 14, you'd have another one that uh, was a, a thermal. Like you, you can totally do that. You can use it as a clip-on unit in front of and your daytime. Soon, and soon optics. they'll be integrated in one unit. Yeah. yeah, well, so we have that technology too. Um, we, we have that ability. I think it's still kind of kludgy because you're, you're clipping one unit onto a, uh, PBS 14. Um, it's, it's a little bit front heavy, 
for me, kind of, it, it's it's a little unbalanced. Um, but the technology's there, though. Like it, it's, and we're evolving, so we're there today. Think about where we'll be five years from now. And, it, and it, the, it's so cool, yeah, man. When we when we're in the when we're in the military, it used to be we own the night because, you know, we have technology and the adversaries don't. Now they do, or they will. You can't, you have yeah. to assume they do. They do. And if they and do. if we're and if yeah. we're the op for in the domestic, you know, Pineland scenario, if mm -hmm. we're the op for, you have to assume that the oh, yeah, they got it. are going to have state of the art everything, including drones and aviation assets. You, well, you are been... correct in the beginning. If when it kicks off, they will have all that shit in the beginning. But we all know the technology curve. The longer it goes on the more technology breaks because it's Murphy's law. What yep. can yeah. go wrong will go wrong often does. And Murphy gets his information uh, from Whitey in the morning and Whitey works for the man. Just so you know, that's the chain well, of command and, and for Murphy. Guys, guys <laughs> like, point, guys like brush beater, <laughs> guys point. like brush beater are going to take 10 boy scouts. And in, and in six months, they're going to own the County and have all the gear. Absolutely starting correct. With, starting with ten Boy Scouts. Well, any, so, any grunt uh, worth Karen's his salt. Pop, all, 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 um, all uh, force multipliers. Yeah, it's right. So, well, with, let, let that that brings up a very, very good point, which I, I, I don't want to, I want to segue into that because we have an, about an hour left, and I've got experts on the phone, and I I know that this is not going to happen for a while after this. So I want to use this time as since we're talking kit. What what's the basic thing you think that the the you know the homebody the the folks that are the, the average person in the audience should unequivocally have more food. So the ability food, to to filter your own goddamn water, water and food. Yeah, that's right. so. so I'll say uh, water and food absolutely, uh, and, and the ability to replicate that. You know, so, you know, how, how to filter your own water and how to certainly how to boil it. Um, you'd be surprised. Like you think you hear that and you're like, who doesn't know how to boil water? You'd be surprised how many dumbasses are out there that. I've done, like, I've done dozens of videos on that, Matt, and people still uh, ask me. I'm like, okay. And I don't mind. I'll do the same video 10 times, but I, you know, and the, and the different dynamics. So. If you're in North Carolina and you have streams and you're away from the industrial areas, then you're going to have a different type of, uh, you know, water treatment protocol than I will right. in the city. And so that's that's really what we push here in Arizona. So because we're in the we're in the middle of a metropolis, like if you zoom in on Google Maps, you'll fill up your whole screen and it'll be concrete still. So we have a lot of runoff, a lot of oil, a lot of stuff. And so we, do too. we just, you know, I'm like, OK, so you need to be able to identify water that can be made potable. So and then yeah. extract it, filter it, chlorinate it, and then I, I have a carbon process. I'll run it through to get rid of all those other inorganic, uh, inor you know, pesticides and stuff. So, like where I live, I, I live in a, a very rural area, um, but you have to distill any fresh water that you get here. Uh, if you are sourcing surface water that is runoff, it's ag runoff, it's going to have nitrates, it's going to have phosphates in it. Because we grow tobacco, we grow corn, we grow soybeans. And all of those fertilizers will cause renal failure 
pretty quickly if you're drinking them. So you don't want to just go like, oh, it's fresh water. I'm just going to drink this. No, 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 no. And you can't just boil it either. You have to actually distill it. There's a reason that, you know, this isn't just a Southern thing, by the way. There's a reason that old timers had distillation pots, that they, they had stills that they, they would run distillation in. It wasn't just for making alcohol. It was actually for water purification because just boiling alone isn't necessarily uh, uh, going to do it. The heavy, the heavy but I still in it. Yeah, yeah. But it, but just, I, I, I want to advance wait, conversation. Let me, let, me connect, let, me connect right, this, let me connect this to the illegal aliens. These guys are like alley cats. The Somali, and the 120-pound the, the Somali that looks like Captain Phillips. I'm the captain now. That guy will eat drink ditch water and eat a dead cat and kill you two weeks from now. And, and so, yeah, he won't live to be 90, but man, he, he'll be, a, he'll be uh, the king of the jungle for the year when Americans are dying of every kind of flu bug and, and stomach bug because he he's already had all that. To live to 90. But that's the thing. He, he doesn't expect to live very long. Right. Like, it, it, that's the thing. Like, Americans are, are like, oh, you know, I got my whole life ahead of me. Oh, I'm 30 something. I'm going to be like, you look, I'm in my late 30s. I've already outlived most of the people in the third world. Like, that's the thing. Like, it, it, by American standards, I'm not an old man. By international standards, hey, you know, you've already lived outlived outlived most of the third world. That's just the way that that, that is, man. That, that's the way that that goes down. But um, I, I want to advance the, the conversation a little bit into the, like the whole weapons realm, because that, that's kind of what, where we're going. And, and this, I was going to get there. I was getting there. I was uh, waiting no, 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 you guys no, talk water. Cause you guys, one of the, you can't stop the water conversation. Well, dysentery we, we dysentery is awful. And, and I've had dysentery. Me too. Probably, Sucks. Yeah, Sucks. boy, the Iraq, that gray water yep. coming right yep. back out of you. But, um, th so when it comes to, to weapons and this goes to our original conversation about gear and, you know, all, all that stuff. Um, you know, if, if you look at, if you look at um, any of the asymmetric conflicts of the past 40 years, right? Uh, Iraq is a good example. The, you know, the Juba sniper battalion, how effective they were, right? Um, Ireland, for, for sure. The IRA, the Belfast snipers, right? There's a common thread here, um, you know, uh, uh, Serbia and, and, you know, all, all of that. Right. Um, the, the guy running around with the, the, the intermediate carbine or the submachine gun on the streets, like that guy's a dumbass and he's infinitely replaceable. He's going to get shot. That's positive identification PID. You got him. Right. And they, those guys don't last very long. Uh, even with the Taliban, they don't last very long. It's, it's the ones who are in the designated marksman's role, right? What we would consider a Category 2 sniper. Uh, the ones who, who've actually had a little bit of formal training. They're not just a dumbass with a weapon. They, they're skilled enough to know how to build a hide site, whether that's urban or, or rural. They're just skilled enough to know, you know, this is how I utilize my terrain. Um, you know, Category three snipers, somebody that's actually had a formal sniper training and, and 
marksmanship and and they actually understand the you know bullet drop and they're they're making uh shots at extended ranges you know past 500 meters uh but category two is actually the most dangerous ones because you can replicate those quickly and they're very very effective uh psychologically they're very effective on the battlefield and so when, when you're creating them let's talk about how how you create that capability quickly all right so the ar-15 is very effective in this role within 500 meters right even with 55 grain ammo all right so you know let, let's say like the cheapest ammo blazer brass or like wolf ammo whatever like most cheapest crap ammo but people are going to buy it because that's what they can get they get a thousand rounds of it for like 400 bucks or like whatever you know um that that's what people actually have i can sit there and say like you need mark 262 77 grain because it does it like it terminal effect is better like i could tell you that all day long but you look at how much it costs for the yeah, average joe out there shit right now that's really hard to anything over 62 grain yeah it's, it's a, it, literally a special order so you load it yourself yeah yeah, yeah. so take a run-of-the-mill ar-15 right Make sure that you have one that, that you know, Picatinny rail on the top, like the whole retro rifle thing. There's a reason we got away from carry handles and plastic hand guards because, you know, we, we exactly we can do better. There's better optics mounting solutions. Let's get away from the cool guy Instagram shit. Okay, we, we don't need to do that. If if you know you want you want AI driven porn stars to, to be impressed by your carry handle AR. Cool. I'm more interested in in I combat capability. AR. Right. <laughs> yeah. Actually, so, actually, actually it's, it's, in my, anyway. it's in my garage right now. Uh, one power variable optic. Well, the difference between a standard like AR and a designated marksmanship AR is literally just a new upper with a longer, heavier barrel. Yep. Well, like, let me let me touch on that for a minute. So my buddy shoots thousand yards. So I, I'm a cocky guy on the 200 yard range because with the I AR, I don't think anybody you know is out there that a like, thousand I, with the AR, huh? No, with anything, anything out to 200 no, no, yards. Just right? asking. But uh, a friend of mine's a thousand yard guy, the Palma and the uh, who's the other guys that shoot with like no bipod, no nothing. They're just hovering that rifle out. He's one of those guys. And he said, Troop, you ought to come down to the thousand yard range and check out what we do. I think you'd be good at it. I'm like, all right, cool. So I go out there and immediately it's like, this guy won like the Congressional Medal of Honor in Sarajevo, and this guy, US Olympics gold medal, and this guy leads a rifle team. And it, like all these guys were international badass dudes, nicest dudes in the world. And I get out there and I watch them shooting, you know, circle on circle, thousand yards. No, you know, no, uh, no F class or open class where you're allowed to have a have a, a scope and a bipod. These guys are just balls out, man, with like open sights and, and hovering. You can't use a sandbag or anything. And they're reading all the range flags and the spotters communicating to the to the to the riflemen, you know, OK, all right, you know, adjust 20 MOA. And they're clicking. They're not. We can do holdovers on an AR, even on a scope. You hold over, you conduct your windage, that stuff in. You hold over at a thousand yards. I mean, you're like 20 feet off the target and you can't see it. So you, you have to adjust to the wind and these guys are, are shooting x rings i mean they're like when i got there i realized whatever whatever however many 20 dollar bills i took off the 200 yard range that shit ain't gonna fucking work here so they brought me to a military match and a 600 yard military match most guys shoot 308s now they're shooting the six fives 
And I'm like, I have a, a, a 308 uh, Savage Model 10P, a police sniper rifle. And I have M80 ball ammo, FMJ, right? I'm like, I'm going to get smoked. So I do the 600-yard thing, and I shot like a 48 11X out of 60 rounds. So that means that, I, you know, you shoot 48 rounds inside the 10 ring and then, you, you know, 11 in the, in the X ring with shit ammo, like you're saying. I mean, machine gun ammo out of a 308 out of just a, a non-inverted scope reel common rifle and i i qualified like not high master but you know i i, I qualified marksmanship uh level so that's just what just imagine down. how many people are at that level or guys that were never in the military they well, got and a i really three and so they I, I know my every year. Ammo, all right would have well, done a lot better but let's add know. a little common sense to this there you go so you have uh the olympic shooter shoots a shot group this big you have the standard designated marksmanship shoots a shot group this big at 600 does it really make a difference nope nope it does not i actually use that that very same example in class so one of the drills that i do and, and y'all can replicate this at home in the scout course is at 100 meters i put up a i had to pull this off the shelf right yep. m4 zeroing target put this up at 100 meters have aim right here. Aim small, miss small. This is designed to zero your weapon at 25 meters, by the way. Put it up at 100 meters. This this is a silhouette of a person at 300 meters designed to replicate that, right, based on 19-inch uh, shoulder spread. Uh, at 300 meters, from 100 meters away, there'll be a 1,200-meter target. You're aiming at that. Now, with that said, still, that's a standard piece of paper. That's about the size of a plate, right? That you'd be wearing, that, that you'd be wearing if it was body armor or somebody else would be wearing if they're wearing body armor, right? If you're still making hits in there, that's still the A zone, right? At 100 meters. You can still make that hit at 200 with literally no holdover, right? Mm -hmm. 300 meters, no holdover because you zero at 25. So if you have a 25 meter zero, at 100 meters of 5.56, five, you're roughly two and a half inches high. There you go, right? Two and a half inches. What's the difference between hitting somebody dead center of mass, two and a half inches high, right? That's still a fatal hit, okay? It still, still a fatal fills, hit. It still fills 100% of the coffin. Damn right, right? <laughs> Damn right. So let's talk optics, right? So we know zero to 300, right? 25 meters, zero, bam, right? That's a battle site, zero. Hey, just listen, so you know, just, hey. just so you know, guys, but let me, let me say, I, I could talk this at nauseum. There's, I could tell you that there's a good percentage of this. No idea what you're talking about. I got so, you. Um, the, the good part of this conversation is that, it should, if I hope everybody hears me say this, that you don't have to have this depth of knowledge, but you have to have this depth of, of practice on the range, which is something that most people don't do, right? Because I know you guys can talk about putting your plates on, jumping up and down and getting the adrenaline going and then doing doing uh, a shooting exercise, you know, actions on contact, mounted, dismounted. So we could go into detail on all of those, but most people, the average person only shoots maybe once every six months at best. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about a level of proficiency that most people don't even register with. And this is where you need to be 
when this kicks off. If, well, if I'm hearing you right, in, I built in, that in a way in a day. In in a way, yes and no. Yes and no. The no is commitment, motivation, stealth, and guile have have so much of this equation. All of the super duper gear to get you know from this target to this target. Doesn't Compared matter. to just Billy Bob, age 60 or age 16, with his grandpa's 30-30 lever gun, if that guy knows how to hide in a culvert and wait for two days for the right vehicle to drive by, pop out and take a shot at 100 yards, that's the guy that fills the, 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 the freezer with deer with venison every year. Mm-hmm. Right. And he never had when, no military, but commitment and motivation. So, so much of this. First of all, I have two lever actions and, and you know, not giving those up because they're cool. Let's just face it. They're just cool. Nice but you're right. Up. You're absolutely right. But I know you guys have, have thoughts on this, why I teed it up. So please continue. Well, here we go. Like my idea with the optics is uh, I am not going to spend, you know, three grand on a rifle with optics. I, I will spend up to about 11 1200 bucks on a rifle and maybe 5 or 600 on a scope the best scopes i've found with the most bang for the buck are either vortec or uh, yeah vortec first focal plane i, I love the yeah. first focal plane cuz you zero it you can change the magnification it doesn't fuck your zero up and then there's arctic uh what's it arctis they make a good one too uh, the the vortex is waterproof down to about 15 feet for an, an hour or two. The Arctis one, I wouldn't fuck with that. You're, you're probably going to wind up with a problem. But like the average person could buy a bolt action sub one minute of angle rifle right off the shelf. Yeah. Throw on a six hundred dollar yeah. first focal plane scope like I just mentioned, and you are mm-hmm. literally have the same fucking equipment that a 1995 or below would have as a sniper. Carlos Hathcock or McElwain. Yeah. Here's the difference maker. You're exactly right. I I mean, I'm nodding my head 100%. Uh, First, I want to say you need to try Swamp Fox. Uh, I've got some Swamp Fox. I think you'll you'll Uh, dig them. First of all, Um, I have to write that down because I have a bad TBI and I will not remember it. Me too. I see a lot of that. That's notebooks everywhere swamp fox like francis yeah. marion it well, is a seventh group guy that founded the company well if swamp I, fox I, reminds I, me i of recommend a... the sticky note notepads <laughs> yep. well, believe this... it or not they're actually they're they're good optics because i've seen yeah. a, a lot of the a lot of them that are i'm gonna look them up right and now I've, you know I full disclosure with... i i am a dealer for them man i've got them at brush peter die store but so uh, I have, yeah. so I've done a lot of primary arm stuff. I've seen a lot of Burris stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. you can make your, you can make the case about a lot of different optics, but I, it, the one that I, I know is bulletproof is Vortec. I've seen, you see those on an, uh, and you spend way less than a Leopold. Cause I know a lot of guys are, you know, I've built rifles for guys that have more money than sense. Good warranty. They want, you know, 15, $20,000 rig mm-hmm. and, most people can't afford that. That's just not real. So I'm glad we're talking right. about affordability too. So thanks for that. Right. Please continue. So he, here's the difference forward. maker. The, the difference maker, the, the optic, the day optic matters, but it doesn't matter as much as what a lot of people think. 
getting a clip on thermal. He, here's the big difference maker. This, this is the equalizer. Get a thermal unit, right? Get a get a clip on thermal unit that goes in front. Make sure that your weapon system, whatever it is, like all right. So for bolt guns, I'm a big fan of uh, you know Remington 700s. For a lot of reasons, I ran an M24 for a while, right? Love it. Remington 700, kind of the, the Glock of, of the bolt action world. Um, and Palmetto States coming out with their version of the Remington 700, right? But um, point is, is that you we had, back in the day, we had what was called the Mars Rail or the... Uh, the Are you talking was, about the Delta Simrad? kind of yeah. Uh, setup. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it 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 was the forward rail, so it was a 20 MOA rail and then it 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 uh had an extended rail piece that went down the barrel. This yeah, was yeah. back in the days be- before the 2010 came out. Yep. Um you know, so you have a rail out in front of your optic, right? Why did you have that? Because we had the the you know, the PBS 30 or the PBS 22 that would go out in the front so we could run it, you know, in front of the the 10 power uh loophole scope, right? day or night we had that nighttime capability well with thermal you can do that as well and on an ar-15 you want that free float handguard with a continuous rail across the top not just because that's accurizing the action because it is but also because that continuous rail allows me to put a clip on thermal out in front of my low power variable optic or whatever scope it is that i'm running Right. So now I have the capability of observing day or night heat signatures with a thermal optic. Uh, Night vision optics are fine for clip ons, but thermal really gives us a lot more, uh, both in the the 384 range uh, resolution range. 640 is really the Cadillac. That's what you want. What is that about about ATN? Because I'm seeing a lot of ATN out there. Yeah, ATN. I've got a price that was sent to me. So, So, you know, I've I've messed around, but it's 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 this is my experience and and this is why i'm teeing this up again that most of the audience probably doesn't know how to use this stuff or seen this stuff but right. the thor 4 the atn it's like a swiss army knife it's got all these different um commands that you have to set up it's got all these different um menus and screens it's, you basically you're trying to configure a computer just to use the thermal scope right so that's the nice thing about agm is AGM sidesteps all of that. You, you don't have the it, it's this thing is about as simple as a unit that I've ever used. It has three, uh, four buttons on the top, and they they control everything from taking pictures to video to um, you know adjusting white hot, black hot, and you know then then you've got like your color predator vision. Um, Pop what's was asking the, about what's uh, the model cost. What's the cost, cost, right? The 384 unit. I'll pull them up on the store right now. The 384 units, I think, are the best bang for the buck. And I sell, you know, they they're the ones that typically will move uh, the most. Two grand, twenty two ninety five for the clip on unit. When so, on, can I put it on one of those swing away rockers on my rail? Yes, you sure can. Um, the AGM makes that mount for and that's a, the, uh, that's for, the LRF thermals that you're talking about because yeah, my sources are yes, those. So, 
So you know, th- this is what I'll say: pick up a a sub five hundred dollar blemished Palmetto State Armory rifle, right? Uh-huh. Sub five hundred dollars. They run just fine. I use those for my Op Four weapons in class, where we put BFAs on them, and you know they're just running blanks. But I, I mean, I shoot a lot of rounds through them. They work just fine. The flawless weapons. I've seen a lot of big name weapons out there that don't run as well. Um, no problems out of them, right? Pick up one of those for five hundred dollars. Pick up a low power variable optic for another five hundred bucks. You're talking about a thousand dollar investment there, and spend your real money in what we call enablers, right? In thermal, right now, thermal is the big. Spend it on it. Save your pennies to spend it on that. There's 384 units. And, and I'm telling you, when you do that, you're, you are, you're more capable. This is going to sound crazy, but you're more capable than a lot of the ground forces that are currently in conflict around the world right now. I know that sounds crazy for civilians. No, it doesn't sound say, crazy. But it, but it, 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 it for, for us, it doesn't because we, we know. But for a lot of the, the, the other folks that are listening to this, I'm like, what? Are you serious? Yeah, I'm dead serious. And, and if you don't believe me, photographs tell a tale of a thousand words, right? I want y'all to look at pictures of the Taliban post United States pullout in 2021. I want you to look at the pictures of some of the AR-15s that they're running, uh, which specifically are M16A4s that they're running because that was what was given to the ANA. Right. Look at what they're using. They're putting thermal optics on top of those weapons by and large. And you, you'll see a lot of images of those. Just look up Taliban thermal scope and you will pull these images up. There's a lot of them. Why are they doing that? Why are they putting those on there? Because it it's works. so doggone effective. It is. That is. I'm telling y'all night vision is is great that you know we move under nods right that that allows us to to move effectively at night makes conducting friendly link up at night and all that you know sut stuff really really effective but thermal when it comes to target detection you you're not defeating thermal right you're not going to do it and so if if you get a thermal optic you're using that in conjunction with your day optic that's the biggest enabler that you can have Hey, look, you and I have to yeah. have a discussion outside this because uh, I run, I do redonculus.com. I also have a prepper community I uh, send a newsletter to. I would love to have this information to put in there. Oh, I got you, brother. Okay. I got you. Any, just, anything you need. Just as, as That's an why aside, we're having this top. That's exactly of- why I, I, I harangued you this week to get you on the show because I, I know you do the prepper site. We do mm-hmm. Telegram instructional sites that we throw videos and we throw content into. That's why that's, I knew when we got all of us on this call or this 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 show that we would actually have this conversation. And I figured yeah. it would be more contentious, which is it's kind of cool because yeah. it's flowing better. But that this is important stuff that I think everybody can benefit from. Yeah, but to be yeah, honest, I, I, I did there, rip look, on look, you, officers. So. There's probably there's probably other <laughs> I would expect no less. I'm, I'm sure there's I have a other Navy people chief out there. That's one of my admins, and he busts my balls all the time. I would expect no less. All right, sorry for interrupting you. Keep yeah, talking. I'm, I'm I'm sure there are plenty of other people out out there that are teaching courses, but I don't know anybody else that is more than a hundred nights in a year, snow, rain, ravines with students 
yeah than the person on the top middle right there yeah so I gotcha. if you're interested in not just comparing statistics gleaned from websites about better equipment what actually goes on the weapon and works like that 500 500 and 2000 is the formula that's not just theoretical you know that's three thousand dollars to be the apex predator it's the thermal right now yeah and, and a question regards to what you're talking about this uh this it's the rattler series because yep. i have i'm looking at it right now what yeah. is the range on that for detecting thermal detection range six all right 1200 meters I, I know that you can you can pid and this is in the uh the recce course which is the follow-on to the scout course they do uh, the students do a nighttime raid um and I have a simulated LZ that they're going to do the raid on. And so the, the uh, opposing force that I had out there, we were able to pid them from 450 meters. They actually set up their support by fire at the, the long end of the range. And we were able to pid them that far away. Uh, and that was with a 384 unit. Yeah. 640 is, is even better than that. It's just like, wow, man. It, I, I mean, it really will blow you away. Um, it's like, man, looking through this thing, because I mean, the, the, you know, again, coming from the world of the past 13, you know, it's like, it, which was great. It was just, you know, kind of kludgy to implement. And now all of a sudden, man, I've, I've got this device that fits in the palm of my hand. I can use it for just about anything. I can clip it on my weapon, use, you know, use my daytime optic. It's like, man, dude, this is like, it, it really will blow you away. No, it blew I, me away. Yeah. I, I got a chance to fuck around with the Simrad thing when I was uh, a sniper in second bat. And I was really thoroughly impressed with that. And that was just standard night vision. That wasn't thermal. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, and you know, I've got a PVS thirty, and and I've run several different PVS twenty twos over the years. You know, they're all really awesome. But thermal, I, I think where we are with the technology today, thermal is a real difference maker. And and here's the thing, for a lot of people that are that are still kind of scratching their head, maybe they haven't really looked through night vision or whatever. Um, Assume thermal thermal Assume relies on heat detection. Night vision is image intensifying based on whatever the ambient light out there is. So let's say, like, for example, when I said uh, PID or positive identification of guys at 450 meters, they set up their support by fire position for their raid. Because you always set up the, the SBF first, right, before your assault elements in place. Well, they set that up. We were able to see them. Now, they were covered. Right. They had concealment under night vision or nods. We would never saw them. We wouldn't be able to see them because they were doing everything they were taught to do. And they were doing a really good job. They were doing it correctly. But thermal, there was no hiding from it. Mm -hmm. And and here's the thing. These guys were behind trees. Right. They were uh, some of them were laying in a natural depression behind uh, uh, several trees and, and they were in a conifer forest as well. So you still had natural vegetation up, right? Cause it, you know, where I am here in the Southeast here in North Carolina, you know, we, we don't have any uh, deciduous forests that's out yet. Right. But they're in the pines 
but we could still see their heat signatures. And because of their interval, how they had spaced themselves, oh, there they are, right? We, we know that they're there. Now, some, something, somebody, I got, something I got from your podcast yesterday that I hadn't thought of, and this is like a whole, this is like a another advantage that I, that's like a second order thing that wouldn't come straight to mind when you're looking at this as like an offensive weapon. When you are setting up your own ambush line, you can use your own thermal. The patrol leader can use his own thermal to check yes. how they're hiding. So that's you can exactly you right. can thermal proof your your patrol using thermal. So I would never thought of that. So that's like one a of the, second order. Thanks advantage. for stealing my thunder, Matt. I was going to bring that up. Thanks for yep. stealing my. Thunder. One of the nighttime ambush lanes that these guys did, and and this was an excellent class, by the way. I've I've taught a lot of them. Um, these this crew performed to the standard on everything. I, I was it, rarely am, am I really, really impressed, but these guys were, were top notch and a lot of them are civilians, by the way. I mean, they, there were, a, there were a, uh, a couple of former military guys. There was one, uh, uh, former officer and, uh, a retired Sergeant major as well, uh, th that was among them, but the rest were civilians. Just, just, you know, run of the mill, no military background, and and they're there, and and you know, by day, uh, the nighttime of of day four, they are they're they're executing a a excellent L shaped ambush. I mean, textbook, and uh, utilizing their terrain, and and this this was just really top notch. But one of the things that really impressed me, knowing that their opposing force was going to be running thermal while they were moving. They knew that they're going to have it. All right. So that's, hey, they're going to have it. You know that they got it. So the patrol leader was going and, and scanning. Once he had set everybody into position on the ambush, he's scanning to make sure that their thermal uh, uh, imaging and, and how they were showing up under thermal was completely masked. And they were utilizing vegetation to do that. Um it, it was it was genius, and they completely took the op four by surprise. By the way, uh, which rarely ever happens because they kind of know, you know, like all right, we're we're walking into an ambush. We, you know, it is an ambush lane. They know that they, they're going to get ambushed, but normally they'll see it and they trip it. You know, before the the entire patrol gets into it. Um, this time they walked right into it, and it took them by surprise. It it was really impressive to see that at night. Um, and so I, I'm seeing, you know, how do you confuse thermal vegetation? Vegetation is how you do it. Uh, you don't, you're not masking your heat signature. There's, I know there's some videos on YouTube and whatever, like they're kludgy and it, like some dude was putting on an aluminum suit or something. I'm like actually posting links in the chat in regards to counter thermal stuff. Yep. I'm just Still, fucking with you, though. I'm just fucking with you. No, no, you're fine. Vegetation is the way that you defeat it. Okay, uh, that that's really it. I so, think you're confusing defeat with mask. Yes. Well, you're not. You're never going to completely defeat it. What you no. want to defeat is the psychology of the guy using the thermal. Yep. Right. You want to you want to defeat his ability to positively identify you when he sees a, a heat signature. Well, is that a rabbit that's just hanging out like, you know, at night or, or even during the day? Like, what is that right there? I don't know what that is. You make him pause long enough to where you can take a clear shot at him. That that's what you're looking for. 
And but right. when you talk about vegetation, it's important to note for us people living in the southeast, plenty of rain, plenty of vegetation. Mm-hmm. If you're in Arizona, you know, a lot of the, or if you're in snow country, things are going to be different. Train and situation dictates. Absolutely. Correct. Yep. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, so you you're don't don't walk under an aluminum foil suit, okay? Because you know all you're gonna do is make that warm, and you be you you're gonna overheat. This is the reason we don't do sniper school in the middle of the summer, uh, in the south. Like it's what are you talking you, about? You, I, I fucking sweated my balls off. When did that rule come in? They fucked me, man. Oh, not service <laughs> you connected. Were a ranger. You should have been not, used to that. Not service connected, right? I mean, not service connected. Tra- training, yeah. is call- training is called on account of the wet ball thermometer. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. it is. No, but the point is, though, is is that, like, it's just because I've seen a handful of that online of, like, oh, you could defeat thermal by wearing this aluminum impregnated suit. Like, no, no, you can't. All you're going to do is heat that up. You're going to have a heat stroke. You're going to heat that up. And then you look like a samurai walking around. But it, but it may have, well, it may have a use if, a problem, if, right? if you're out That's... in Arizona and, you, it, and you're setting up a hide, it may have a use when you get to a set position. This, well, this so is how you do it. GI casualty blanket. Okay. A GI casualty blanket. You can get these on Amazon. Arcturus makes them. Um, and what, what a GI casualty blanket is, is it is aluminum impregnated. It's, it's, a, a plastic on one side, aluminum on the other. We would put these over people to prevent hypothermia when they were casualties because people go hypothermic very quickly. Right. But what this does, it has grommets on the corner. Uh, what this is going to do is, is you build a hide site with this and you use that as a suspended layer over top of you. That creates a thermal barrier. So if, you know, you've got drones overhead, which obviously you got to assume that, that they're going to be operating in the area. You're looking for overhead cover. All right. That's how you accomplish that. The other thing that you want to carry with you, and it's my understanding that the Marine Corps, um, is doing this. They're, they're at least advocating this. Their their uh, thermal mitigation manual and drone mitigation manual that they they put out as a training circular that they put out a couple of years ago. I'm trying to remember exactly what it's called. I just offhand. I, I'll remember it probably after the show. But um, carrying a piece of plexiglass, right? You carry a piece of plexiglass because thermal does not see through glass barriers you get a reflection of the heat off of it, right? So if you put that up in your hide site, so you always have that opening aperture of your hide site where you're observating, uh, your, your uh, observation hole that you're looking through, you put that up over it and it's not going to look for, or it's, it's going to mitigate those thermal signatures inside the hide and site. It tilt, the, tilt the plexiglass at an angle like this. Yes. Not like this or not straight. Right. Tilt it like this. This is why tugboats all have windows like this. There's no reflection. I did not know that. That's why the tugboats all have windows that otherwise, like my sailboat has windows that are slant back like a B-17. Well, during the lot of the day, you get like a second image, like the dashboard area has got a big reflection on it. Yep. But that's why tugboats today and even patrol boats like the, the Coast Guard's got a 45-foot medium patrol boat. It's like an aluminum. It looks like a rib. It's not really. 
Um, they built like a thousand of these. They're everywhere now. The 45-foot medium patrol boat. It's got the funkiest pilot house, and it looks like a mushroom because its windows all point out. You never have glare. You never have reflection. Right. Anyway. My no, biggest I, I didn't complaint on a couple of my airplanes was that, that, that the windshield was canted the wrong way, and you got this secondary image in the air, in the cockpit. So, Annoying. yeah, I, I totally get it. But what about – so? One of the questions I know I'm going to get out of this, we might as well answer this now, is what if you're on the move, right? Because we've talked about the scenario of bug in versus bug out. You're bugging out. You're on the move. What do you do on the move to defeat, mitigate thermal? Uh, that's a tough one, day. man. You, uh, you, the only yeah. medication you could do is speed. You just got to be fast. Okay, I'm old and slow, and this shit's heavy. Yeah, let's just well, call it. Well, and, and also, you, know, you have to really, you have to really try to, to use patterns of life. Obviously, Colonel you Conrad, know, like this is. I'm just doing my delivery. I'm the deliver. I'm the milkman. I'm the UPS man, right? Patterns of living, um, but also weather is super important. You have to know the predators come down when the wind's over 30. That's when you're going to go. So you really need to key on on weather forecasting. You know, when it's going to be 98 degrees, that might be an advantage. If you're out in snow country, forget it. Thermal's going to see you from outer space, right? So patterns of living and weather become super important. And, and just because we're getting towards the end of the show, the DGI drones, I know they're made in China. They're awesome now. For $1,000, they won't even fly into a tree. They've got sensors on them now that will keep them from flying into an obstacle. And, they, and you're not flying it like a pilot. It goes up like it's on a laser beam. To the altitude you want, fly a pattern. It's not like you're flying an airplane where you got to get some skill. You've got a screen, you got two little knobs, thing will just shoot up to a thousand feet or three thousand feet, whatever you want. You can't hear it. It'll fly for, you know, with extended batteries, it'll fly for an hour. It'll go out in miles. And, and you've got an eye in the sky. I mean, it's not big enough to drop a grenade, these little things, obviously, but. Just to have a scout, instead of your body being out there scouting, you can send something out above audible range, above visual range, and you can know if the neighbors are in their house or out of their house. Well, we'll talk. Antifa is doing training. We'll talk drones in a different. I think we'll do another one of these. But, but I mean, drones, it's, I, that's I put them. But I put them topic. up now. I put them up there with night vision, with thermal. Yeah. You know, with with well, this technology, the landscape it's a, of the battlefield. Well, let's face it. Hey, yes. hey, so, Conrad, you were going to say something. I want to make sure I give you a chance to chime in because I know Well, I, I find all this very interesting. I was simply going to say, Steve, it's just like when we were in armor school in the 10-day war, terrain masking. If, if you're not talking about drones and you're talking about thermals and your threat is on the ground, your best bet's going to be terrain masking, uh, you know, relative to what kind of topography you have and things like that. But I find a lot of these other comments very interesting because I – I uh, I do see people trying to make claims about beating thermals and stuff. Oh, you're not doing that. And it's it's got to be a tough thing. But yeah. I, I am I think we definitely have to look into the drone, but particularly counter drone tactics and techniques. That's going to be a big topic in the future. The it's, Russian channels are really coming up to speed on that. They have area dome and directed beam systems that are they're already pumping them out to the battlefield, and they're pretty effective. They're, they're putting them out there. We, we were talking about Yagi beams to take out like the asshole with a really loud stereo at the street light. Just You could just blow his whole shit up. And uh, I was talking to Patriot Berserker about that. He didn't believe me. This was three years ago. 
it's like, no, that's a real thing. So they, they've industrialized it or they militarized that capability. Drones are, I think, going to be part of present and future warfare, but anti-drone technology, I mean, they're already welding cages on top of tanks and stuff like that just for the grenades and things. But that in, until they figure out a, 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 a way to arm those things with autonomous AI intelligence, target acquisition and prioritization, which they're going to do, that's going to be the next. Uh, they're already doing a trick of drones, you know, but so so then they're going to have to go like Steve and I were talking about uh, back to flak, right? The B-52, the what was it, the, C, the B-17s flying over and, the, and then the flak blowing up next to them. So basically, having having well, in, a, in a in a without rule of law scenario <laughs> where this where supermarkets are all looted. Part of the goal, we're doing a tactical thing is if we've got resupply and there's a Uncle Sam's logistics train behind us. But part of it is going to be survive the first 30 days. Okay. Most people will be out of batteries, out of food, running low on ammo. Don't run out of food before you run out of ammo. I mean, you, surviving the first 30 days may, be, may mean really being hiding. You're just hiding. A lot. You know, I, I fucking we hate it that when, when you channel. inject the, the common sense into this, because we don't do that here. We're all about non-common sense. Well, yeah, but survive Come the on. first 30 days and you're going to, most people will be gone. Stay out of the conflict. I agree. I absolutely yeah. agree. And hey, I, that, that's, what, that's what I'm trying to do, too, with my guys, is I'm not planning to do shit other than just get the fuck out of the way. I'm, well, I'm too fucking old. <laughs> Listen, I'm not I'm not a bullet slinger anymore. I don't release freedom seeds into the wild. I just talk shit now. That's it. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally serious. Truth, like my, that's right. My that's bullets right are propaganda. That's it. Oh my god, that's fantastic. So the, the uh, let, let me let me. We have to talk armor because that was something everybody was talking about. I'm a chest rig guy um, because, like you, I'm too fat and old to run fast, and I run slower with armor on. So the but the uh everybody's everybody's just enamored with these bug out bag things i have a bag i use all the time i reconfigure it all the time it's on my channel all the time i cook out of it I made popcorn i filtered water had gloves on a cold day uh but it's not something that you just throw in the back of your car and then a year later you're like man how come all my shit doesn't work so i don't like the term bug out bag if you live in florida or you live somewhere and you have an evacuation protocol then you already have an evacuation plan or you should but I did a few videos. I don't know if you watched them, Steve, but I went to people's houses. They're like, Troop, look through my bug out bag, right? And I just dump I it out. I was with you, like, Troop, remember? Oh, was, you, were, well, you went with me on one of them, yeah. I went with you. I, well, I went to a couple of them, but I'm sorry about that. But I, I dumped stuff out. It's still in the wrapper, and it's from the ship ferry. And it's people that put just crap in, like, the plastic whistle with the weird compass shit on it. And, like, it's still in a wrapper, and it's in a bag with some some of the hardtack or whatever that, that uh, really dense marine calorie shit is. Throw that shit away, use your shit, throw it away if it breaks, and don't just buy stuff because you, if you see us using it, if you see something on Matt's channel he's used a thousand times and has 50 dents in it, well, you know, maybe that's a good piece of equipment. And, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I still have I bought from the Goodwill store. Yeah, I, I actually like steal holes and shit. I put together bug-out bags for some of my guys, and I just sell it to them for cash. I, I can put together a quick bug-out bag. You can keep in the trunk of your car. And then you can tailor it to any weapon system that you have. And literally, you grab your weapon, you grab the bag, and you're gone. And simple, lightweight, right? So yeah. one of the points I made was if you work in an office and you wear high heels, like most of us do at work, you know, maybe you want to have a set. Well, wait a minute. That's All some right. phrasing shit right there. All right. Well, you know, I didn't mean to project on you, Pop. Hey, you're going to give me all. I don't need another homo suspicion point. 
<laughs> but well, yeah, have you have to live life unless you've been at least accused of something throughout your career. Oh, yeah. Come on. But <laughs> your career is not about serving your country. It's about escaping prosecution for 20 years. Yes. <laughs> you can't go through a show without having shit happen, like technical issues and harassment, right? So, But your point um, is well made that you need to touch your stuff because I, one thing I can tell you is I – I'm just like you. I cycle through my my I cycle through my bag all the time, depending on what I'm doing and where I'm going, and how long I'm going to be there. I don't just have a, th a bag that I throw in my in my vehicle and leave it there. I cycle through my stuff on a regular basis, and every single time I go out, it's a question of okay, how long am I going to be there? Do should I take radio? Should I not take radios? What, what radio should I take? And you know, all of those things matter. Right. And most people don't think past getting in the car and where they're going. Most people don't think past situational awareness. And as we talked about in the last roundtable, if you hear me say anything tonight, hear this situational awareness right now is one of the most important things you yeah. can have to save your life. It's yep. situational awareness. Know where the fuck you are. Know who the fuck's around you and know what the fuck they're doing and question everything you see. Everything. Don't yes. take anything for granted because the people that we're up against will kill you for a mouthful of what you have without a second thought. Here's a model of the bug out yeah. bags that I build for guys. Just right. I know I'm going to get a homo point because it looks like a big purse, but I literally, it's got a tarp. I've got a piece of snivel in there, a canteen, knife. Is that water, a hit of contacts? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Water purification, fire starting stuff. Um, there's a this bag. There's a, another bag I attach to the side. It's for like, uh, you know, MRE pouch food or a big jar of peanut butter. I mean, that's very calorie dense. You can go 100 miles on one giant. Uh, <laughs> I talked about up. peanut butter a while ago. Yep. Yeah. But literally, I keep this in my car. Um, if I have a firearm that goes along with it, I'll have extra clips or ammo in here for that particular firearm along with the small cleaning kit. And literally, this is all I need to get me to the next stop to get more of my own shit because, you know, I do have uh, cache points and what have you set around in my home state. Plus, I have a couple in, you know, in the country somewhere else just in case I have to go south. But. I've been thinking about this shit for years. And, and so, so, something I'll throw in in terms of of years, I like I like riding bicycles a lot. The tubes and things like that are a weak point. Get a bunch of them now. Yeah, I mean you'll you'll kick yourself if you don't have twenty uh, bicycle tubes and the a little patch blue kit. things. The patch kits, the little metal foil things. You open them, they're gone. They don't last a week after that. So you got to get like a bulk pack of like fifty of those little glue tubes my, I mean, otherwise buddy, you're not going to be riding a bike more than a year or two <laughs> my buddy chuck uh, fixes the homeless people's bikes at the at the mission we do on on saturday he's pulled out tubes that have like 50 pieces of duct tape on them i mean they're like like the whole wheel when they go down that's like that but sure. they keep patching them and patching them I, i'm just blown away at like the stuff he does he'll rip apart bearings and regrease them and put them back together but you can keep stuff running, but to your point, uh, this little topo map, these are just printed out from Google Maps, and I have one for my own home. I have one for everywhere I go. Anywhere I go, I, I you know, if I can, I'll do an, an area, um, you know, an, an area run of it 
but this is basically for when people walk up to the aid station and like, Hey man, uh, you know, Jim's not doing good. I pull this out. I'm like, well, where is he? Oh, he's right here. So if I can, if, if we can detach and go get a person, we'll go get him. And if not, then we know very clear instructions, you know, where to, where to send rescue. But having just a simple topo hey, map. Speaking, speaking of maps, go to your local home uh, office supply store, get the $30 Rand McNally map of your state that has, you know, the, the uh, A1 to Z26 pages. Yeah. It has the timber roads. It has the dirt roads. When everybody's channelized onto the state highways and, and uh, interstates because they're afraid to get off because they're afraid trolls and, you know, rednecks live out there. Having that is going to, when there's no GPS I'm talking about, when your smartphones are all dead, that Rand McNally that, that the truckers all used to carry that has every dirt road in your whole state will be worth, it's worth anything. Just That's to avoid not, staying oh. on the highway. Okay, so we're coming up on the two-hour point. Um, I have to ask, do we want to keep going for another 15, 20 minutes? Do you guys, can you guys do it? Or I, yeah, I, I think two hours is good. I think two hours is good. I'm All right, so then let's do closing comments. And uh, if there's anything you could say to the audience, because I know we're going to do another one of these, because we teed up like seven topics we didn't get to. So... Uh, let's let's start with Matt Bracken. Anything you want to say to the audience before we close? Yeah, I, I have a new book coming out in a month or two, and uh, that'll be cool. It's called Doomsday Reef. But um, all of the tactical gear stuff we were talking about tonight, scopes, training, evolutions, uh, NC Scout knows 10 times more about radios than anybody. There might be other people that can run a gun course. Nobody knows the ra the tactical radios like he does, so. Thank you. If, and he will and he will fly if you know he will fly so i mean there are people that want to have the training in their own area contact him you will not regret it what's the what's the minimum course size matt for you to travel uh it depends so you're down in arizona i'd say 15 although i, I want to caveat that with something uh 2024 is is full like the I, I literally am, am filled up for the year. Um, if people are looking to get in on a course, I'm going to be out in Montana in April, Wyoming. Uh, I'll be there. Uh, the Montana class is going to be a lot of fun. It's, uh, North Montana by Kalispell. Um, that's gonna going to be a lot of fun. But Wyoming, uh, late April. Jesus. I'll be there Take in some weather gear. It's gonna be cold as shit up there. <laughs> nah, it'll be fine. It'll, it'll be, be fine. Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll survive. Bring a candle. Yeah, it's. I mean, the, the common course up there is is gonna be um, indoor and outdoor, and and the facilities are are nice. So you know, you know, it, it's not like you're gonna be dealing with a blizzard while you're up there. Uh, out in it, you know. It, uh, I don't know. I lived at Great Falls and I had some April blizzards, so I don't trust anything in that state, oh, yeah. especially Kalispell. Um, Wyoming, we'll be in Wyoming. I'm going to be out there in June. Uh, I've got courses here in North Carolina that are on the calendar uh, for the remainder of the year, but 2024 is booked up. Um, so it, it's literally, and I hate telling people that, you know, because it's like you don't want to turn anybody away, but at the same time, it's a good problem know, to have, though. Well, yeah, it, it is. Um, it is. And, and, you and, know, and, and you're setting up your yeah. future safe houses. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I was just going to say training Absolutely. sites for the big oh, absconders. Sites. Oh. It's um one of one of the things I'll say though I'm taking taking way too much time with everybody else here. But the the thing about it is, if you're on the fence about coming out to a class or like you know civilian side training, is I always get that question in an email probably once a day of like, hey. Uh, I, I don't know if I should come out to a class. I, I don't like being around other people or like, look, here's the deal. Um, the networking aspect of it, I think is, is the biggest intangible benefit that people get having, yes. you know, people from a region that all of a sudden they put a face with a name and, you know, bam, you got a training buddy all of a sudden, right. That you can go do other people's classes with. You know, like all these other guys that teach all this other cool stuff out there. They, they're, I'll say this and then I'm going to shut up. There has never been a time in American history where there has been so many combat experienced guys who are willing to share what they know in professional classes and maybe, you know, it, you know, just casual stuff. Like you meet these dudes on the range. Please, folks, take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. Um you know, if you're a freedom-loving American, which you obviously you are if you've listened to this show to this point, take advantage of that. There's so much experience just floating around out there. Never before have, have we had this many dudes that really know their shit inside and out and are willing to share it with you. Take advantage of it. Top. Fair enough. Well, I run uh, redonkulous.com. Uh, it operates under a nonprofit called secondclasscitizen.org. I do comedy to stop, uh, you know, suicide, mainly veteran suicide or, or servicemen su suicide. And since I started this in 2009, I think we are up to 541 lives saved using nothing but logic, reason, and that grave uh, graveyard comedy we all learn in the military to keep us from going insane. That's pretty much what I do. Um, uh, I've got uh, a book out there called The Warrior's Way and the Soldier's Soul. Um, that's basically philosophy on how to, you know, prepare for war, conduct war, and then live with it when you return. And then you realize that everything is war. And once you know that, life becomes a lot easier. So that's where I am. Troop, Roger that. Well, I have the TrooperCareNetwork.com. We also started a 501c3. It's a, a homeless outreach, but we also co-locate with a bunch of other uh, charities. So I supported this uh, woman, Brandy Chard, whose son died out there from a preventable common wound. Oh, uh, I don't think that's one of the things that I, I really harp on next to water is your personal hygiene out in the field. You can have a small cut, a small open sore. It turns to MRSA. It turns to C. diff. It turns into a bloodborne pathogen. You die. So I'm out there. I treat a lot of wounds. I, a lot of them, I should probably do like the blurry thing on telegram before we show them a lot of venous ulcers and things like that. Uh, last year we had three rapes, uh, one gunshot wound, five stab wounds, a whole bunch of burns, car pedestrian accidents. So what the focus of that mission is, is not only just to show people that we're caring for our fellow Americans, but also people can see how we used a different dressings and methods of treatment and the triage and the and you know how we assess casualties and it's really cool when you see somebody come back a couple of months later that had like a really really bad wound and now all of a sudden you know they have a new wound sometimes but their their old wound is uh is healed up and it's really to build kind of training confidence and calmness that you need where i think most of us 
have this weird thing where we're, we're always calm in a crisis, but I could be sitting at my nice, cool air conditioned desk at work in the middle of the day. And I, I could be having like a freak out session. Right. And I got like a warm cup of coffee and a blankie in my hand, but out there, it's just, you know, it's just a real world. And when we're talking about the shit hitting the fan and all this other stuff, you don't have to go out to my homeless camp, but go out to somewhere where, where they're actually on a, in a mission in an austere environment, doing things with limited resources with a really difficult community and just, just kind of take it in and take in the reality of that. And, and uh, you know, if we can humanize these guys who a lot of them through no fault of their own, just, just fell below the, the stratification of, you know, being in society whether they're veterans, whether they were overprescribed drugs from a doctor they trusted, whether they had tragedies in their life they couldn't bounce back from. So we're there. And I always tell people I'm not there to, to buy them. Uh, I'm not there to save them. I'm there to buy them more time. So if they see us every single Saturday and somebody's fixing their bike, somebody's putting band-aids on them, somebody's feeding them, somebody's taking care of their dogs, eventually maybe they'll start to care about themselves because they start to see people care about them. So that's what I do at the troopercarenetwork.com. I, I, uh, I take plenty of band-aid donations. If you want to send more hydrocola dressings or whatever, I, I appreciate that. And I'll send you a tax receipt, but it's a really important mission. Steve has really, uh, really marshaled it and lashed onto it. We have a couple of secret squirrel people that helped me get my 501c started. And, you know, I didn't have anything else to do with my trooper skills because I don't have any grandkids. So I figured I'd just help our fellow Americans. So that's, that's kind of what I'm doing now. So thanks for that plug, Steve. Hoa, Matt, Bracken. Well, I, I'm, or I started off, but adding to what you were talking about, hygiene, the importance of hygiene, you see it with the homeless, obviously, because they're already, you know, uh, post-apocalyptic in a sense, living off the grid. Um, before you go to surgery, they'll say the night before, wash with dial antibacterial, dial gold, like the classic no scent dial is a very strong antibacterial soap. Right now, you can just buy all you want for pennies. But that stuff, when the, your last bottle of betadine and peroxide out rub, it's all gone. The soap will have a very, very long shelf life. And being able to scrub things that you get out, in, whether it's a cut or, or other kind of infection scrapes, keeping those things clean is so critical. People will die of infection from stuff that you just wouldn't even believe. And yes, I'm sure you've seen it. Mm -hmm. I, I always tell people that the germs are more badass than your hand or whatever, because you deal with a lot of really tough dudes out there, you know, I mean, prison inmate dudes that are like, oh, you know, tattoos, and they have some open, you know, MRSA infection or something. I'm like, dude, them germs are way tougher than you are, bro. <laughs> hey, hey, Bracken, do you use the same soap that Trump uses? Because you got the same skin tone as him. It's my lights. I don't know what's going on with my lights. I spend too much time out in the sun. I should, Come on, I should, man. You know I'm a grunt. I'm going to bust your balls. This I'm, like, I'm radioactive, was a timely input. I'm radioactive. I got the skin tone from this book. Look at that. <laughs> i got to get some different kind of lights. I don't know oh, what it come is. On. Uh, come on, man. You know that's funny. It's funny. All right. Colonel Conrad. Well, first of all, God bless all you guys who are doing super Christian things. I, I like and respect that. That's really tremendous. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward, Steve. I, first of all, congratulations. I think you've got a hell of a you know circle of, of guys here with uh, a wealth of talent, experience, and knowledge. And I think there's a lot of value added in that for the for the common dude sitting here listening. Um, I'm looking forward to discussing some details. In some of these, I think I think we may 
need to tighten our shot group here and, and agree to talk about whether it's weapons or one specific area of gear or things like that. Because if I'm the average guy sitting here listening in the audience taking notes, uh, you probably want to we probably want to drill down a little bit and uh, and think about what he's going to be facing on the street, talking about not just types of weapons, but in particular ammunition, because that's really what's doing the terminal ballistics. So I think there's a lot of good stuff we can talk about. I, I know I want to contact uh, uh, Matt and Pop and find out more about what you guys have in your backgrounds and uh, uh, learn learn a lot more. Yeah, Let's I have to say, again. Gents, I am I am truly honored, honored that you guys. These shows are force multipliers. These shows are force multipliers. So good on you, Steve. But still, you got a. You know, the the fact that, and, and this is for everybody, you know, I reached out to all these guys and they reached right back out because all of us remember our oath. All of us are here for the That's same right. reason. Yep. Full stop. For the same reason. Restore our public. That's what we're here for. And I, you've all heard it. You've heard all of us say tonight in various ways, lose the fear make decisions, be as prepared as you can be, look for things you can afford, have what you can afford, be ready and touch your stuff, work with your stuff, know where you're going and have situational awareness. We've all said it in a variety of ways just in the last two hours. And two hours goes very, very quickly when you have so many experts sitting on the other end of the line. And at which as you go through the week, like I said, we are on the cusp of the event horizon, whatever that is. Doesn't matter what the horizon is. Doesn't matter what the event is. What matters is what you do when it happens and how you react and how prepared you are. You've heard everybody here talk at nauseum about gear, preparedness, training, etc. These guys are experts. That's why I wasn't talking tonight, because the experts are here to talk. You don't, you know, like every good colonel, I issue my guidance and then get the fuck out of the way. And that's the way it should be. Issue your guidance to NCOs and then get the fuck out of the way. I just, yeah, get the fuck out of the way, period. Right? But at the end of the day, the one thing that you should take away from this is you've heard all of us talk about situational awareness. Be situationally aware to where you are. And it will save your life. And trust your gut. Your gut is always right. Don't ever second guess your gut because it will usually tell you. And if it doesn't feel right and top, you can back me up. Same with Matt, same with Troop, same with Colonel Conrad, same with Matt. If it doesn't feel right, it isn't right. Don't no. second guess that, especially right now. If it doesn't feel right, don't sleep with it at night. <laughs> I, I would just, as a parting <laughs> shot, what you anything you wouldn't be willing to eat. As a, as a parting uh, comment, we could be going into a 5, 10, 20-year period of anarchy. We don't know what's on the other end. We may not restore this republic. We may be going into a dark ages. Uh, there's been 30 years wars. There's been 100 years wars. There's been dark ages. The fall of the Roman Empire. There's no guarantee we're going to be at the victory parade on the other side of this. So the most important training we do in our lives, all of us guys, you know, 30s and older, the most important training we do 
is with the the next generation mm-hmm. because it's, we're not going to be there holding the torch at the victory parade. It's going to be somebody else and maybe they'll remember us. Maybe they won't. But what we do to train the next generation to cherish our heritage of freedom, that's what counts more than the group that I shoot or you shoot. It's yeah, training well, the, the kid to shoot and to cherish freedom. Yeah. Well, well I do. Said that. Well, here, here's the thing. You said train. You, you train monkeys and, and dogs. I, you know, when well, I, I'm, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just fucking with you, but when, yeah. when I deal with the younger people, I forge, I'm trying yeah. to forge these young men Good. becoming excellent leaders and men. Yes. That, that's what I do. I mean, I'm trying real to man. forge the next guys of, of fucking warriors and leaders. Yeah. Yeah, one of, one of the things I hate real, the most about woke liberals, part. one of the things that I, I hate the most about the woke liberals is that they destroyed the Boy Scouts of America. Yeah, Can I brag about Wyatt, fuck Steve? Man. Go for it. My young Padawan, Wyatt. So Wyatt is on the, the homeless mission with me. He's an EMT in the West Mech program uh, here in Maricopa County. West Mech is our technical college. So they, they train the firefighters, the HVAC techs, the, the police, the EMTs. And he uh, he came to me through happenstance. He's like, hey, man, I happen to be in the EMT program. I took him out to the Trooper Care Network to our little mission. And uh, through happenstance, ended up talking to the founder of his college. And they were so impressed with our program. That's why I started it a 501c3 so that I could standardize it, uh, uh, operationalize controls, have repeatable controls, and then present it out. And we're working on getting a rotation program. Uh, for people like Wyatt, who are EMTs and paramedics and nurses that are that are in the field to give them actual first contact with with their customers, with the community uh, before they go into professional service. But Wyatt is on the National Honor Society. Uh, he's going to come over. He's already working with the Peoria Fire Department and I think another fire department. He's going on ride alongs. Um, he's just, you know, he's he's really focused. He's he just turned 18. And he's one of those people that I think it reminds me a lot of me when I was 18, very stoic, very, you know, like we, we have to, we have to polish him up a little bit. Cause he's like, you know, one, zero on off black, right, you know, left, right, one, zero, just very rigid, but very focused and very motivated. And it's nice when you see a kid like Wyatt, because you see 7,000 kids that are playing Xbox with a pot belly. And this kid's just out there and he, he earns his own money. He trims trees on the weekends. He works on his old piece of shit Jeep. You know, he does every, everything that you'd want a young American kid to do. And he's exactly what what you're saying, uh, Matt Bracken is, you know, he's the future. So any any time that we can take an opportunity to teach or or or, or mentor or inspire anybody, and we look at ourselves like, oh, we're just burnouts. I mean, I plan on having grandkids and not doing any of this shit. And then, you know, here I am, right? So um, when they when they look to us for for leadership and guidance, anything that we can provide, I'm 100% all in on that. And he's just, he's just a perfect example of that. So and he's not watching this. Otherwise, I would never, you know, I'd never give him credit because I only fuck with him in real life. But, you know, he's an awesome kid. So he's he's a good example of what you're talking about. Absolutely. And gentlemen, open invitation to sit on this whenever you can. I know it's late for all three of you, but I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys taking the time and making this happen because I think that you're right, Matt. That's a force multiplier. The more we can do this. And, and the more people we reach, the better off we're going to be when this all kicks off. Yeah. So with that, I'll be back Monday with a sit rep. We'll be back next week with the round table. God bless everyone. I, when will this be up? This will, this actually goes up right now and we're actually streaming live on Twitter as well. So we only go live here. Record <laughs> shit post. That's the production process. <laughs> Thanks, Trip. That's pretty much what it is. Yeah.
So All thanks, right, everyone. Man. Appreciate cool. it. Good seeing you, Matt. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Yep. God bless. Bye-bye. Take it easy.